Brooklyn's Radio brings you City Update with Ian Pritchard and Lee Humphreys. Hello and welcome to your City Update from Brooklyn's Radio. Financial guru Lee Humphreys is waiting on the line. So Lee, there's been a lot of UK news this week, but I think you want to look further afield. So what have you got for us? Well, um, let's uh, jump straight in, shall we, Ian, and uh, look at something that has unfolded this week in the markets, um, particularly in the United States, that of a big hit at the end of last week to the share prices of several tech giants. Now, many won't have heard of this, but does it have anything to do with the Civil Liberties Group Stop Hate for Profit campaign that surfaced in the last couple of weeks? It certainly does, Ian. The, uh, the campaign, which has now received uh, backing from huge companies such as Adidas, Coca-Cola and Starbucks, is asking advertisers not to market on Facebook for the month of July. The campaign's almost immediate success saw Facebook, who last year had revenues from digital advertising of $70 billion, saw their shares down 8.5% last Friday on the news. Google, likewise, which derived $110 billion from advertising last year, fell 6% on the day, too, while Twitter was weaker by 16% on the week. No, uh, not all of it, but a load of their income comes from paid advertising, so that must have concentrated their minds. Did they respond? The short answer is yes. Facebook announced it would begin to flag all newsworthy posts from political groups that break its rules. Um, This followed on from Twitter in May introducing something similar. You probably um, saw it in a couple of tweets from Trump that were censored because, well, as Twitter saw it, it violated rules about glorifying violence. So the hate for profit campaign must be pleased and somewhat placated. It does seem to have succeeded in having an effect on the behavior of the social media platforms. Well, what I can tell you is there's uh, certainly been a recovery in Facebook's share price uh, this week as the Nasdaq hit another all-time high on Thursday, which indicates um, they've done enough to take the wind out of the campaign sales for now at least. It's also interesting to note that Facebook's revenues come far more from small and medium enterprises than they do large ones. The top 100 brands that the Stop Hate campaign is focusing on account for only 4.2 billion dollars or about six percent of the platform's annual ad revenue given that the proposed boycott is just for the month of july this might only end up costing facebook half a percent or thereabouts of their revenues in 2020 and perhaps in these difficult economic times the big companies might have been glad of the opportunity to reduce their advertising spend anyway you're certainly not the first to suggest that ian but There is a growing feeling now by some in the market that the new addition of warnings to content by Facebook and the attachment of fact-checking sites by certain tweets uh, by Twitter potentially creates a cure with a greater cost than the malady itself. How do you mean? Well, social media platforms have, until recently, seen themselves in a similar way to that of a, say, sort of telephone operator. They provide a service whereby people can communicate together. No one would ever consider inhibiting what can be discussed or said over a a BT line, for example. Uh, They just provide the infrastructure for discussion to take place. Um, Likewise, Twitter, up until recently, has seen itself as a forum in which views and opinion can be aired freely between consenting uh, individuals. You may or may not like or agree with what the other person is posting, but providing the law hasn't been broken, they're nonetheless free to do it. So you're saying that warning others about the content they're about to read moves them away from your analogy of a phone operator or service provider to what, a broadcaster? Yeah, um, well, actually, more towards what 
would probably deem to be a sort of newspaper to some extent. The platforms themselves, um, to many, cease to be sort of neutral participants as to what we, the users, can see and discuss. Choices by the platforms uh, will now have to be made about what constitutes acceptable or unedifying content. And this is the proverbial can of worms. Uh, no, clearly, as we've seen, some campaigners see that as a positive rather than negative. Uh, are there financial implications for this to, say, Facebook or Twitter? Well, there are potentially significant implications. Yeah, President Trump um, now, uh, because of these changes, particularly with Twitter, is preparing to sign an executive order that erodes the legal protections uh, from social media companies for the content posted on their plat platform. He says um, now they have an editorial policy accusing them of selective censorship and judging what's newsworthy. And it's difficult to argue, to my mind at least, against that. Well, difficult to argue against, maybe. Uh, some might say that's a bit rich, coming from a president himself that uses Fox News as a promotional tool and describes any negative press coverage as fake news. So what are these legal protections he'd like to see removed? Well, um, if the executive order were to go through, and no doubt it will be subject to legal challenges, it would potentially leave social media companies open to, among other things, libel, defamation and slander for the posts they leave up, which in turn, especially in a litigious country such as the United States, could potentially ruin these companies financially. And has this just come about this month? Well, it's actually been brewing uh, for a while in actual fact, but uh, seems to have um, come to a head very recently. Perhaps the best example of that actually is, uh, is uh, with Joe Rogan in the US. No. Joe Rogan, a charismatic figure, popular on the internet in the United States, of course. Tell us what he does. Well, Joe is he's perhaps the biggest podcast host globally, even, get this, bigger than us in. Um, he interviews uh, a huge variety of uh, individuals, often over several hours, uh, about literally anything, really. Um, Elon Musk and Russell Brand are, are two recent guests that spring to mind. Um, his show is broadcast on Google-owned YouTube, where Rogan has nearly 9 million subscribers, uh, a few more than us, Ian, and Apple-owned uh, iTunes. Um, his eye is with YouTube in particular, who he said, have attempted to censor him through various means um, for fear of upsetting advertisers. Um, he's complained that YouTube have prevented him, for example, from interviewing doctors and experts with opinions outside the permitted narrative with COVID-19. Now, what's this got to do with City Update and the stock market, Lee? <laughs> well, look, uh, you should know, Ian, that everything's uh, got to do uh, with the stock market eventually. Um, so as a result of uh, Rogan saying he's being censored, he's now um, taking his show off both YouTube and iTunes from September and onto a Swedish platform called Spotify. You may have uh, even heard of it, Ian. Um, the deal itself is a 10-year licensing agreement thought to be worth around about $110 million. And importantly, gives Rogan editorial control over the content. From the announcement date back in May, Spotify shares listed actually in, in New York have uh, increased by over 40%, adding something like $12 billion to its value or market capitalization. So, uh, Lee, uh, old Joe Rogan's done well, hasn't he? And with a $100 million check coming his way, perhaps that influenced his move as much as his censorship concerns. But I can see the concerns and how they can have a financial impact. But surely these huge global tech companies aren't going to be blown off course by this. Well, 
I think you're absolutely right, uh, Ian. Uh, announcements like this make good copy, but uh, is it really going to bring Google to its knees? No, it's not. Um, but it does bring me to a third and perhaps the most concerning issue for two of the five notable fangs that we uh, discussed last week. And this one comes from the $1.5 trillion titan that is Apple um, when it's releasing its new operating system, iOS 14, for the nerds out there um, in September. And it's starting to look more like a fair fight. Now, Lee, you're pushing the boundaries a bit now. My question is, what possible global financial upheaval could an update on an Apple iPhone cause? Well, you know, I'm, I'm going to keep it simple for you. Um, in the new release during September, as I said, um, Apple are now presenting themselves as the guardians, get this, of privacy against the ad-driven surveillance-based rivals of Facebook and Google. The changes focus on a unique ID assigned to the device called the Identification for Users. Apple's new operating system effectively kills that ID by asking us, when we download an app, for example, if we give permission to track us, our movements, across apps and websites owned by other companies, which is how social media platforms derive the vast majority of their revenues. So, perhaps as we become more aware of how our data is being used, it's quite likely many of us won't give the apps permission for the usage to be tracked. Yeah, uh, exactly that. Uh, and this is going to hurt these guys. Uh, this one move by Apple dramatically reduces apps' ability to track iPhone users. Um, this is Facebook and Google's worst nightmare, actually, and it comes from someone they once considered a friend. Uh, Apple's business model now is to make money from selling software and services, but no longer your data. Um, for Facebook and Google alike, this data is the key revenue generator. Mobile advertising is thought to be around, uh, worth around $220 billion a year, um, with about a third of that revenue, $76 billion, tracking whether an ad leads to the download of an app. So, in a nutshell, Apple could significantly harm the ever-continuing rise of these huge tech companies. Yeah, it's, it's much more significant. In Big tech companies, like all businesses, have some huge competitive headwinds to contend with right now, um, be they from sort of campaigns that we've discussed, legislation or competition. None of these companies will feel they have a divine right to exist, and many will feel they have to adjust their business models in case government and the regulator get there first and do it for them. The irony is with Apple's move against Google and Facebook that the largest company in the Western world, Apple, is acting as a disruptor and causing businesses who rely on the data that Apple will now be blocking to possibly disappear overnight. So when we ended last week quoting from Julius Caesar to emphasize the enormous scale and size of these companies, Ian, it's also important to remember that Caesar himself was killed not by the brain crowds or in the field that saw his greatest triumphs, but being stabbed by those closest to him. Google and Facebook should take note. Lee, thank you very much. Another interesting episode. See you next week. Take care. Cheers, in Pritchard and Lee Humphreys brought you City Update on Brooklyn's Radio. Brooklyn's Radio.